You're listening to a Bible lesson taught in the youth group at Trinity Baptist Church. We hope this Bible lesson will help and encourage you as you seek to live for the Lord. Luke 52, I want us all to read together. If you don't have a Bible, there's a secret. It's written on the top of your handout. Luke 252, read together. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Now, to be honest, if we're all honest with ourselves, we all desire favor. Now, we wouldn't call it favor. We would probably call it more like acceptance. We'd probably call it more like we like to be liked. We all desire that, just to be honest with us. This is why we will upload a status to insert social media spot here, and then we'll go through here, and we'll come back five minutes later. Oh, nobody's liked it yet. I know they're up. Like, I know people are up. All right, all right. Okay, maybe they just haven't seen it yet. Ten minutes later. You mean nobody's seen it yet? Come on. And you start liking it yourself. One person likes this. <laughs> exactly. Mom, stop doing that. <laughs> we all have a desire to be liked. This is why we'll wear certain clothing. Because we have a desire for favor. I don't really care for this style, but this is what everybody else is wearing. And so we'll wear it. Why? Because we desire to be accepted. This is why... And guys, more so maybe than girls sometimes, but girls are included in this. Sometimes we do really dumb things. Like really, really stupid things. Why? Because we want to be accepted. Why? why in the, what were you thinking when you did that? Well, it sounded like a good deal. Everybody was standing around saying, do it, do it, do it, do it. And right when I did it, it made perfect sense. Until I was like flying through the air. And then I was thinking, this was a bad idea. But we all have a desire to be accepted. And this is my question for you. Can a Christian young person have favor with God and man at the same time? Because this is a tricky one. Can a Christian young person have favor with God and man? Can you be a Christian teenager that goes to a public school and have favor with the people at your public school, as well as being have a good relationship with God. Can you do that? Can you go to your Christian school and have people that do not really care for living the Christian life, but you desire to, and you can be in favor with them and in favor with your God at the same time? This is the question that we're looking at. Because the Bible says that Jesus increased in favor with God and man. So let's look at what is favor. What is favor? Favor is graciousness to think or speak favorably of. Approval, goodwill, support. So your blank there is to think or speak favorably of. Can the world and God think favorably of me at the same time? Let's write this down. Favor is not popularity. When it says that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man... It does not mean that Jesus was popular. Now, sometimes I think if we made there are our, our, all the little movies. I went to a small high school, so I don't have the, I don't have the, uh, I guess, the memories that some of you guys have. Maybe going, well, you don't have memories yet because you're still going through. But 
of you guys walking through hallways with lockers. Oh, Cody does. Yes, thank you, Cody, for bailing me out there. That as you all walking past lockers and all this. Our school wasn't that big. You kind of like stayed in one classroom and just walked from partition to partition because we had video school. So I'd walk out and walk out. But I've seen the movies, and in, in the movies, people walk past the lockers, and there's like really cool kids and stuff. At, at school, I've seen that somewhere. But when we look at it, favor is not popularity. It is not saying when Jesus increased in knowledge, I mean, in wisdom and favor with God and man, that all of a sudden, because Jesus increased, that Jesus is walking down the hallways of a school in Nazareth, and there's like the, the little soundtracks playing in the background. He's walking past his locker, and everybody's like, oh, look, it's Jesus. Hey, Jesus. This is not what it's saying. But it's saying simply, people thought highly of Jesus, and Jesus thought highly of God. And we're going to see how we link the two up together. How can I have favor? Because we're always told this. If you're going to live for God, the world's going to hate you. They're going to persecute you. You know what? Part of it's true. But how do you link those things together? How can I have the world think highly of me, but yet I still have a great relationship with my God? He goes on, Jesus did it. So how do you obtain favor with God and man? Letter A. Remember that God's favor is more important than man's favor. But both are important. Remember that God's favor is more important is more important than man's favor, but both of them are important. John chapter 12. I'll read it real quick. In John chapter 12, verse 42 to 43, it says this. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers, also many believed on him. This is Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Now, they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. If we're all honest, to be personally honest about the whole situation, we live our lives more concerned about what man would say, the praise of man, than we do God. One day, like we talked about when we were Second Timothy, about Paul standing before God, one day we're all going to stand before God. And God's going to, we're going to have to give an account of things done in our body. Now I'm going to tell you that I have times, you've had times, where you've lived your life in a way to get praise from the people that were standing in front of you more so than the day you will stand before God and give an account. Someone said, hey, you should. Your flesh said, hey, you should try this. And you forgetting all about the praise of God, wanted the praise of men, and we pursued it. And when we look at what favor is, favor is not, we have to remember that, number one, Jesus had favor with God, then man. You've got to get this because this is the key to the whole equation. I have favor with God, then man. My most important relationship in my life is God. You say, Pastor Burton, that's like elementary school stuff here. Me and Sean are working through Luke in our Bible, and Luke at nights in the Bible. Sean can tell you that. Most important relationship that I'm supposed to have is my relationship with God. It's basic. But see, this is how it plays out in my life. I go to camp, I go to New York, I have some great spiritual, I go to a good church service, I get a good youth group maybe. That's a definitely a maybe. And you come back, and you're coming home and you're thinking, you know, I can serve God. I really desire to get up in the morning, do your devotions, 
man, I desire to love and serve God. And then, friend number one. Hey, let's go. Whoop. Man, I, I, love, I, I do love you, God. But he's right here. They're going to make fun of me. They're going to make light of me. And I, can I say, to make this whole equation work, can you have favor? Can you have the world think highly of you? Not that you're popular, but they think well of you and have God. First thing you have to put in there is, my relationship with God is number one, numero uno. No one else has a relationship in my life that's more priority than God. All right? We got it? See, that's basic. We had that since second grade, Pastor Burton. But it's key. Second, hold on to two things. Now, these things are the most important thing. You'll read them all through the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 3, 3, and 4 says, your letter B is to hold on to two things. So it is, your blank is number two, or T-W-O, whichever you prefer to put. Proverbs 3, 3, 3, 4 says this, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee, bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart, so shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Now, before I started studying this passage that we're talking about today, Luke 2, 52, I could not have told you that there was a spot in the Bible that told you exactly how you can have favor, you can be thought highly of by worldly man, and be thought highly of and have a relationship with God at the same time. You would have asked me, and I would have gave you a lot of, that I would have thought was good answers. But Solomon, in his wisdom, writes down and says, this is exactly how you have favor with God and man. Two things. Mercy and truth. Mercy and truth. Go ahead, your first way is mercy. Mercy is simply this. Kindness and compassion. Truth is this. Truth is a verified or an indisputable fact or principle. So Psalmist says this. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Let's skip down to verse number four. So shalt thou found favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Mercy and truth are funny things. Because they are the hardest things you will ever try to balance. I know lots of, I know lots of good people that have a lot of mercy. You can pretty much go to them, and whatever kind of situation you're in, they'll cry with you. <laughs> I can't believe this happening to you. I'm sorry for you too. Or they'll help you. They'll give, pull out money, and they'll give, and they'll give. Even if you're taking advantage, they'll give, because they are full of mercy. And I know people that are full of truth. They don't care about anything you have a problem with, because they're just straight truth. Ah, I have a problem in my life. Well, let me tell you, brother, if you just get right with God, those problems would be the same. They're full of truth. Now, are they saying good things? Yeah. But God says, this is how you be in favor with God and man. You balance mercy and you balance truth. When you go to work with someone, or you go to work, you go to school with someone, you know what? The world doesn't need to have someone jump down their throat to tell them how terrible they are. I've had preachers, I mean, I've known preachers that get up and say stupid things. I remember hearing a preacher that got up in the pulpit, and I'm listening to him, and he, he got and he started his messages out like this. I had to throw an idiot out of the tent last night, because he was preaching a tent meeting. I had to throw the idiot out of the tent last night, and tonight that idiot's back, and he wants more. And he just started going on and on about this guy he threw off the tent last night. 
Can I tell you that guy may have been an idiot? He may have been just as bad as he was saying it. But can I tell you, if you're going to be faithful with God, man, you have to balance that mercy with that truth. You know, when the doctor, you are the doctor and you have something wrong with you. The doctor does not always probably go the most direct way to fix that problem. You say, you know what, my stomach hurts. He may give you something that will go in your mouth to help your stomach. It's simpler that way. He does it not automatically because you say your stomach hurts. Grab a knife, shove it down your stomach, rip it open, and fix the problem. Why? Because that's just opening up more problems. <laughs> but sometimes that's what we do as Christians, and we think that, why don't we have favor with God and man? You're going to hell. I don't understand why people don't like me. Or we're on the other side, and we're like, oh, well, I love them so much that I would hate to tell them that they were lost and going on to hell. I, I could never tell them that. I could never tell my friend that he's wrong, that he's living in sin. I, I can't bear to bring it to that. Or we have the friend that's, <laughs> all they do is tell you about how the wrong thing you're doing. And have faith with God and man, this is it. You have to be able to balance mercy and truth. I have to be able to say, you know what? What you're doing is wrong in a loving way. And I have to bring that truth of the word of God and mix it in life. And this is how I believe when Solomon says, if you want favor, you want people to think highly of you, you're going to have to learn the balance of mercy and truth. Let me give you a beautiful example, because I think the word of God has a beautiful example of this, even more so than I could give you. Well, there's three examples. Go ahead and write them down. I want you to do the first two later. I want you to do, there's, there's some homework for you if you want to go back to school. Letter A, Joseph. Letter B is Samuel. Letter A is Joseph, B is Samuel. Both of those are great illustrations, but I've used them before, I believe, already in our series, so I'm not going to use them right now. A, Joseph, and B is Samuel. Both of these guys, if you read the Bible, the Bible actually says they, sh- they had favor with God and man. The one I want to talk about is Daniel 1, 8 through 16. So turn your Bibles real quick, Daniel chapter 1. I want you to see this. Because I believe this is exactly... When the Bible says how Jesus had favor with God and man, it's exactly what we are to do. We know this passage is very familiar. Daniel 1, verse 8, if you're turning over there. It says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king who hath appointed your meat and your drink. For why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall you make me endangered, my head to the king. Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Prove thy servants, I beseech thee ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenance be looked upon before thee, and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat, and as thou seest, deal with thy servants. So he consented to them in this matter, and proved them ten days. Now at the end of the ten days, neither count, and at the end of ten days, their countenance appeared fuller and fatter in flesh than all the children. I think I'm on that diet, that fatter in flesh than all the children which didn't eat in the portion of the king's meat. Thus Melzar took away the portion of their meat, and the wine that they should drink, and gave them pulse. Now, here it is. Here is the perfect blending of mercy and truth. 
Daniel, we know, is probably one of the greatest Old Testament saints. He serves a number, probably three or four different kings of wicked regimes. Terrible, wicked men. These are not Christian men. These are not godly men at all. In fact, most of them curse God. So he is, but he is always almost second in command of these men. So how does a man that has a great relationship with God able to stand with men who hate God? And those men that hate God still say, Daniel's a good man. I need Daniel. And about to get rid of everybody else to keep Daniel. How does that happen? Right here, because of mercy and truth. The truth, verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat. Daniel looks at truth. Daniel's been kidnapped from his home. He doesn't have his mom and dad there anymore. He doesn't have anybody else that he knows other than maybe Hananiah, Azariah, Michelle, and some of the other people that have been kidnapped. So he is by himself. And he knows from Jewish law he cannot eat what they are putting before him. He has truth. I can't eat that. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, we can't eat this. What are we going to do? We, we can't eat this stuff. The Bible says then Daniel goes and requests of the eunuch, the prince of the eunuchs. Hey, you know what? Is there any way that me and my friends, Azariah, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, since those are their common names, is there any way that we can have just like vegetables and water to drink and to eat? Like, can we just not have this, this meat that you're putting before us? The guy's no, I can't. how am I going to do that? The Bible says he loves him. He, the Christian eunuch knows. He knows Daniel. He says, oh, man, Daniel's a good guy. Daniel, I can't do that. Because then if I let you have that, you're going to look bad, and then I'm going to look bad. And the Bible says, he goes on to say, that's my head. I'm going to die if I put you before the king and you haven't eaten right. And Daniel says, king, I mean, prince, would you please give us 10 days? Just give us 10 days. Just try it. If we're not where we should be, we'll do something different. But if we are, would you let us continue with this? And because he has favor, he says, all right, Daniel. I'll do 10 days, 10 days. That's all we'll do because I know. And at the end of that 10 days, we know the story. Daniel, Shire, Meshach, and Abednego were better physically than the other guys. So Pastor Burton, how is that abundant of mercy and truth? Because Daniel looks at truth and he does not walk into it and says, he does not throw the food off the table. What is this garbage you're putting? I'm a Jew. I can't eat this garbage. What in the world do you think you're doing? You think Daniel would have made it far? <laughs> Could you please take that guy and kill him, please? <laughs> they didn't. They didn't like. They didn't even like mess around back then. You read through the Bible. Perhaps the first was talking about the other day when he was re- reading through uh, in the Nehemiah series, and we were reading through something. I'm like, everything had the penalty of death. You looked at me wrong. Die. Like this is the world was life in prison back then. But Daniel could have said. Hey, who do you think? My God does not allow me to eat such. But instead, how Daniel handles it is this. Sir, can I just make a request? You know what? I think it would be better if we did it this way. This is how a young man can go 
to go through king after king after king after king that are wicked men, but have so much respect for him. What's that said? Favor is not popularity. We know that Daniel got thrown in the lion's den because the people didn't like him. It's not popularity. It's not like, oh, hail Daniel. He's the one who serves the true God. No, but it is a, hey, if you're going to try to find something wrong with Daniel, the only thing you're going to find what's wrong with Daniel is between him and his God because he made that his priority. And when the Bible says that Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man, the Bible is simply saying this, that Jesus knew how to behave himself in order to help people. Can I tell you, you could be the best Christian in the world. But if you do not get this balance between mercy and truth down, you will never be a help to anyone. I can know the plan of salvation in and out, inside and out. And let's just say, throw me back in my enterprise days when I worked at Enterprise, rental car. I can know the gospel inside and out and walk in Enterprise, rent a car. And all I do is complain or maybe, maybe I don't even complain. Maybe I just walk in. I do not have a right spirit about me at all. People are talking about what they did over the weekend. Well, I'm telling you one day God's going to judge your sorry butts. Or I'm telling you this is what's going to happen to you guys. Hey, hey, Aaron. And this happened multiple times. Hey, Aaron, would you like to go out with us tonight? I know you don't drink. They used to say it all the time. I was 19. I was, no, I was 20 years old, 21. I was 21 years old. And they'd be, and these guys all were out of college and they all had nice cars. They were all living the life that I thought this is the life. So these guys were where I thought if you wanted to live, this is where you wanted to be. And they'd be like, Hey, Aaron, why don't you come? We know you don't drink. Don't come out. We don't want you to drink. We don't want you to drink at all. We know you don't, but just come out and shoot pool with us, man. Come on. And I say, no, nah, guys, I can't. Can I tell you that if I had said at any point, I don't drink that stupid stuff. Watch you guys' family fall apart. It may be truth. But if I don't handle mercy and truth together, I can know the, the gospel backwards and forwards. I can have witnessed enough to get Adolf Hitler saved. And if, you know what, but if I don't handle mercy and truth, if I don't handle it properly... It does no good to anyone. Same thing if I want mercy. Oh, well, you know what? I really want to be friends with these guys, so I'm not going to drink, guys, but I'm going to go with you. I'm just going to go with you because I'm violating truth, but I'm so mercy. I'll I'll go do this, guys, but I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to drink. Then I've ruined my testimony there. It is the balance that we have to go. And the Bible says that Jesus increased in this as a teenager. Jesus became someone who could balance mercy and truth. You look at his life, his earthly ministry. If you read through the life of earthly ministry of Jesus Christ, you look at a person, I know that he was God, but he was 100% man, and he knew how to balance it. He goes in, you listen to him how he talks to the Pharisees, the religious leaders, you generation of vipers. And he talks straight candidly to them because why? He knew how that he had to communicate with the Pharisees because they were believing to themselves they were so holy. They were so just. And everybody else looked at him like that. Everybody else looked at the Pharisees as they were the spiritual leaders. And so Jesus handled them. But then you look at the, the sinner, the publicans, the prostitutes. And you read about those people and how Jesus handled them. He handled them with mercy and truth. Hey, the truth is, the woman at the well, beautiful illustration. 
Hey, Jesus comes to the well. Hey, give me some of that water. If you don't mind, I'd just like some of that water. You don't have anything to draw with. You didn't bring anything to draw with. That, you can't. Oh, I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. Why in the world would you ask me of water since you're a Jew? Well, let me tell you, if you knew who was asking you water, you would have asked him for water. You would have asked me for water, living water. Well, what are you talking about? And Jesus shared the gospel with her. And mercy. Hey, go get your husband. I don't have a husband. Jesus says, of truth. You don't have a husband. You have five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. And the lady drops her water pots, runs back to the city and says, come see a man that told me all things. Is not this the Christ? Is not this the Messiah? If Jesus had been an independent fundamental Baptist, he would have been like, hey, when you, you just need to stop living there and get right and get to church. But that's not how Jesus handled it. Why? Because he learned to increase in truth and mercy. Hey, I see that I have people that I go to school with that are doing things they ought not do. Truth says, you know what, I need to approach them. But mercy tells me how I ought to. It's not that I just let everything go. Well, they're not living right. They're not doing right. All right, that's fine. That's their problem. And it's not that I jump down their throat and say, let me tell you how you ought to behave. It's Jesus increased in favor. He balanced that mercy, that truth. And when he did that, people were helped. People were helped. Do you really? I mean, let me ask you this in your mind. Do you really want to mature into the person God wants you to do, wants you to be? And I'm asking you this in your mind. Are you serious? Don't just tell me it is because this is a youth group and because I'm past the burden. That's what you need to say. Do you really desire to increase? Then this is what happens. You increase in wisdom. You have the knowledge you need. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished, everything I need unto all good works. You have the knowledge. How are you applying it? Because that's what wisdom is. Hey, there's going to be seven bad years. So you know what? During the seven good years, we're going to save that. That's a good idea, Joseph. That's a great idea. That's not really that great of an idea. Just common sense. But it's a practical application of wisdom. Hey, you know what? This will ruin my life. Practical application says, I'm not going to do it. Increase in wisdom. Increase with stature. Hey, I'm moving toward mental maturity. My, my, my goal is not to act like a 13-year-old when I'm 16. My goal is not to look, act like a 16-year-old when I'm 18. My goal is to move toward maturity so when I get to be an adult, I have everything I need to be an adult. A God-loving, honoring adult. Are you moving that way? In stature? And in favor with God and man? To be able to look at the truth of God's word. And the mercy. And to go to people. Whether they're saved or unsaved. I used a lot of unsaved illustrations. But whether they're saved or unsaved. To be able to have a friend that's close to you. That's not living the way they ought to live. And they're able to look at that friend in the face. And the compassion and mercy. But with the truth of the word of God. And say, you know what? I love you. But I'm not going that way. And I really wish you wouldn't either. Jesus increased in these things. Has he increased in these things? 
you start reading after Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 3 and on, about how Jesus' ministry starts for, well, let me tell you, Pastor Burton, Jesus was God. I understand that. But Philippians 2, 5 also says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He was an example unto us. And he says, hey, I increased in wisdom, stature, favor with God and man. So I'm asking you guys, as we close this series in July here, to increase. Increase in these things. Don't stay where you're at. And I'm not, I'm not even telling you you need to be there already. You're not arrived. You know what? I have not mastered the balance of mercy and truth. Me and Pastor Ferguson have this discussion all the time. Pastor Ferguson says, hey, you should handle it this way. And Pastor Ferguson would probably be more truth. And I tell him, I'm more mercy. And I'm like, well, Pastor Ferguson, if we, I mean, Pastor Ferguson, if we do this, then they may not. Pastor Ferguson says, well, we need to handle it this way. And we talk about this all the time. It's a balance. So I'm not telling you to be there. I'm telling you to increase. Increase your wisdom. Increase your maturity. Increase with favoring God and man. Let's pray. Lord, we do love you. And we thank you so much for your word. Lord, I thank you for the study, Lord, and what it's done in my life. And Lord, even just looking at, Lord, as a grown man, Lord, all the things that I need to increase in, Lord, I pray that everyone in this room, God, would please, Lord, increase. Lord, in the areas in our lives, we're weak. Lord, that we would grow mature adults. Lord, to love you and desire to serve you. And Lord, it starts right here. Burn that deep in our hearts. I thank you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen.